stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. So my ears, I got my ears and I break these beads because I love these beads and I smoke these beads like trees and I kill the N-words. God, Jesus, Allah, Jehovah's or ancestors. I'm saying, it don't matter who it is in black men, it don't matter what your religion is. Those folks are the ones that will come down and make everything I. Let's just pray it with you. Say it again. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to you. We're going to jump right into it. So what am I talking about today? Mind your black business. We have a three-part DVD here. The three years for the two lessons. And it's really good. People like it because a lot of things I tend to do are also controversial. But when you talk to black folks about we need some money, that's not controversial. We all pretty much agree with that. So it's easy. So we're going to talk a little bit. I can't get in depth. We don't have the kind of time to really get super in depth. Well, I'm going to give you a taste of what we're talking about in the Mind of Black uh, Business Series. And we're going to talk about what does black economic self-sufficiency, black self-development, what does that look like going forward from where we are now until the 21st century? Y'all with me? Well, I'm going to do somebody help me out. When we get to, what time is that? Okay, when we get to 515, let me know because I'm going to just go ahead and, and try to wrap it up because I know people want time to talk and do the things you got to do and we got to get out and respect the time. Uh, matter of fact, tell me when we get to uh, 5. Let me know when we get to 5. What time is that? 425. 425. Let me know when we get to uh, 5 o'clock. Then I, I, I'll move my time. Then also let me know again when we get to 515, all right? So, what are we talking about? We're talking about mind black business. This is a... A saying that they said in uh, a proverb in the Shanti Kingdom in Ghana. If anyone invoke a fetish against you, meaning they they, they, they wishing a evil on you, let this man die. He is not harming you as much as he would if he were to say, let poverty lay hold on him. But they said, being broke hurts. <laughs> and that's something that we've always understood. But this is the part that we don't understand. We're just going into the conversation here. We start with simple things. But this idea of poverty, where we have nothing, don't know where our next meal is coming from. <laughs> where, where, and y'all know, I'm, some people here know, I know what it was like to just have a piece of cheese and we're hoping you had it and didn't have it when you looked in the refrigerator. I, I grew up in the very beginning there's some hard times like that where I knew what it was like to have nothing but love from your family. I always had that. But I know that feeling. And then it's the worst. If everybody's going around you, it's not as bad. But God forbid, you can see somebody else going okay. And then you can't do it. It's a pain. And we can pretend like it doesn't exist, but it does. But what we don't understand about poverty, real poverty that we're seeing, we tend to think of it more as, I don't have no money. Maybe we're not walking hard enough as black people. Maybe we haven't figured out how to make money and to do well. This is what we think about it, but the truth of it is, in reality, 
Poverty is not a concept that has anything to do with African people. I always start when I have this discussion. I show this. This is the plush green land in Congo. Are you looking at that water there? That's clean water. Are you looking at this for everything green? There's so much greenery right there, I can't even see the water halfway. What that mean? That means you drop a seed and something won't grow. You sneeze the wrong way and those seeds will spread and more stuff start growing. Matter of fact, you have a more difficult time in this type of environment where the ancestors of Baba Kwesi just told us, the master teacher, where we were laid on, the African continent. The resource base is so great, it's harder to stop stuff from growing than it is to grow something. So this concept we have of poverty is not actually properly aligned with what's really going on. Because we didn't come with no poverty. Drums and celebration and life. Sometimes you don't have no money, but if you got family, y'all have to cook out, everybody's eating, you got love, you know right from wrong, you got some dignity, you don't really have poverty. Because your life has meaning. And you'll figure out what to do to get to the next stage, but you're happy. You feel good about being alive. But what we experience with poverty, it doesn't feel that way. It's not, oh, I don't have anything, or what I got. It's not like that. So we got to start trying to unravel what's going on because we have culture. This is who we are, historically. We've known who we were. There was a time if you met a black man or black woman anywhere in the world, they say, who are you? And that young sister would say, well, I, my name is this, that, and the other in her language. And my mother, you wouldn't have to ask her who her mother was. She would know I am no one without my mom. And my mother is this person, and my grandmother, and they all came from this place. And my father is this person from this place, and this is what they do. And they came together at this time, and they did this, and this is who I am today. A connectivity from yesterday to today to say this is why I talk the way I talk, this is why I dress the way I dress, this is who I am. I am because they were and we are and will be because I will do what my ancestors did. We will produce more people and continue these generations going. It was a simple thing. It was a simple thing when we were with one another. However, what has happened? What is poverty really? As it relates to black people, what we look at as poverty is not we just didn't get a good job or we struggling in it. It is a political reality. It is a created construct. It is an Abraham slash white socioeconomic political system forced on black people. This is a hard part of the discussion because we don't always like to go into the, the reality of the pain that we suffer to be where we are today. But the reality is this. The reason we have something we know as African people called poverty is because in every example, there was a war, there was an invasion, there was destruction of family, there was disorientation of the way we ran our lives and the way we committed ourselves to commerce. Everything was dismantled, and then whether it was whites or Asiatics, a process of deconstruction of family life. This is everywhere. It's not, there's nowhere on the face of the planet Earth you can show me a black person and I can't tell you who was there and what they did and why the situation is the way it is. 
It's so easy in this conversation here because when I say who are you, we might go back three or four generations, maybe five if we lucky. We did a little bit of research, we might get halfway place ourselves somewhere, but we can't go ten generations. We can't do what Bob Quaker said for two thousand years, tell a line of our ancestors and whether we can't do that. We can dig the history up. We don't even know exactly what regions we came from because our way of life was disoriented. That's how we got to America. So when we see this thing of poverty, we have to understand we're actually talking about coming up out of a system of enslavement under oppression. We had about 10 years under Reconstruction where we did fantastic. And then the pain started all over again. And then the sharecropping. And then the lynching. And then the police brutality. And then the burning down of black communities. Right where we are now. This is what many people don't know. Dr. A.C. Hillier teaches us. He said there are not just one black Wall Street. When you ride around in the deep south and you see areas and you say those are plantations. I bet our ancestors uh, were slaves there. That's what we don't realize. That partly could be true. So many communities after slavery. We control skilled labor. We've done it for free for hundreds of years. Now we can do it for ourselves. We build communities. What we're not talking, we have more documentation in the DVD itself. We show you. They went community to community, killing people and moving into the houses and then writing the deeds for themselves. So some of these houses we see were not plantations. They were the houses that our ancestors built to come out of enslavement, poverty, built communities, and they just came in and took them. And roll it out of history. So then when we get a little bit of history, we find Black Wall Street or Rosewood. But multiply that by a hundred and recognize poverty is not lazy black people. I know we've been conditioned to believe that. It is not true. There's no race of people in the Western Hemisphere that have been more industrious than black people. Again, I don't have time to get deep into it. That DVD shows you through books that other scholars have done. I didn't do them. I had to go to those books to find out myself. So you can get that information. But the point I'm making here is that when you look around the world, the shanty towns in South Africa, Azania, when you look in Chicago and the slums we had in the 50s, when you look anywhere in the world and you see how black people are living, you see these skyscrapers here, you know who's living there. I'm going to have to tell you where it is. You already know. And you know who's living here. This is not by accident. Poverty is by design. It is not a matter of a people not putting themselves up by bootstrap. It is a socio-economic political system. And we're going to go into it a little bit. So when we see our people in this condition, it is not that we excuse them for bad behavior. I would be a hypocrite to tell you I won't smack inside the head. Don't take nothing from me. It took me too much to give the little bit I got. Don't take nothing from me. But at the same time, we gotta understand. We weren't just made like this. We've been put into some very bad situations. We gotta have some consideration to the fact that the reason we're in this room today is because some of us are in it because we made it through. Even no matter what we're doing, we're in here, so we made it through better than some of our other brothers and sisters. But each one of us would probably be honest if we would say it wasn't easy. Am I lying? It wasn't easy to get into a room like this and be comfortable enough to sit with your brother and sister to be here, right? Exactly. At some point in the journey, didn't somebody tell you it's the wrong place to be? Exactly. At some point, all of our brothers and sisters don't make it here. So what, when we talk about economics, we say we're in a system of what we call capitalism. But when we say these words, have you ever noticed about Dr. Manny Fuller teaches us? 
The Europeans use words, and then we throw the words around, and we pretend like we know what they are. But we really don't know. I remember one time I was doing an interview, and uh, a white guy called up on the phone and was like, Yeah, uh, you, uh, you're a hate monger. And I stopped for a minute, because you know, we, our egos make us always be defensive. And I thought for a second, I said, yeah, Are you a hate monger or not? I said, I don't know what's a monger. Cell phone. But all 
Otherwise, this would not have happened without the remarkable advances in wireless technology made by pioneers such as Jesse Russell, an internationally known inventor who graduated from Tennessee State. And the most militarily powerful country. 
Nobody. What are we missing? An African consciousness. To connect one black man and one black woman who speaks a different language. We got an internet. We all can speak the same language now. Power. Cooperation. Production. Dominion. We can do it. But again, we got to talk about what it, what's missing and what is missing. We got all the pieces, but the consciousness to say, I'm not here to debate your identity. I'm an African, you're an African, you wherever you are, I'm wherever I am, let's work together. You got stuff that I need, I got stuff that you need, let's put it together. And overnight we become empire. It's not as easy as it sounds, but is everybody hearing what I'm saying? Is this real talk, man? Am I saying something that makes sense? Is this worth talking about? Very good. So when we're talking about this, let's talk now. Where does an economy from a race come from? A lot of times we don't understand the abstract thinking that goes into the real things that occur. Where does an economy come from? We think well, you got to have a good job or what education you got. No. An economy for any group is based in what is called a social theory. That our brother Bobby Wright used to be a part of. Can we clap it up for Bobby Wright? One of our greatest psychologists. These are my explanation of what a social theory is. An intellectual framework of ideas and assumptions that a group uses to justify its existence, guide its direction, govern its behavior, and create interdependency among its members. The social theory determines the direction and ultimately the destiny of the group. Again, I don't have time to get deep into it, but this is important because we need to understand the problem we're facing, we're not operating with the appropriate social theory. Because it is the social theory that will say how a black man is supposed to relate to a black woman. How a black woman is supposed to relate to her father and to her son. How sisters are supposed to relate to their mothers and their aunties. How we work with each other economically. What are the lines of demarcation and trust that we have that if I tell you I'm going to do something, I can turn my back and come back and it's done because your word is everything because we have Well, how do we operate? And if we don't have a social theory, which we don't, that operates where we can rely on one another, things fall apart. So, an economy comes out of a social theory. In the early 1900s, and in fact, through the entire 20th century, there have been two primary social theories that have been at war with each other in the black community. When we're doing well, I'm going to show you the social theory that we've been operating with. When we're not doing so well, I'm going to show you the social theory that we've been operating with. In the beginning of the century, the one that hit big was under the most honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. Peace be upon him. Let's clap it up for our father Garvey and Amy Garvey, both of them. We had two wives named Amy. He likes some angels. What was the social theory? I'm going to make it simple. Oh, you mighty race, you can accomplish what you will. Stop. That's not just a saying. I want us to go psychologically and think. This is what penetrated the entire planet. Everywhere you found a planet, there were you and I eight chapters. What was he saying to us? First of all, he started with the word up. What does that mean? If you got to get up, then you're what? Right. You don't have to tell somebody that. If you tell them to get up, then you've already assessed, look, 
you can do better than you do. You already subliminally told them they have the capacity to do better. Uh, then he says, you mighty race. He didn't say up the N-word. He said, mighty race. So now he has now told you, you are powerful. The word mighty is a strong word. Then he says, race. So he is now telling you, do not define yourself by your religion, by your politics, by your place locally in the world. Define yourself by the ethnic and racial reality of your mom and father. That bloodline that ties us all back to our origins on the African continent. He says, up oh, you mighty race. And this is the power. This is where the, the, the hammer comes in. He's told you to get up. He's told you that you're mighty. Man. He says, you can accomplish what you will. He didn't say, you can accomplish what God lets you. He didn't say you can accomplish what white folks let you. He didn't say you're gonna, it was not determined. He said whatever you decide to do. So now he has made each of us as black folks responsible. When we look around our community and see trash, I don't have to have trash. If I don't want it, I get up and pick it up every day and remove it from my environment. It seems simple. But with this social theory, he built the largest self-help organization in the Western Hemisphere, perhaps in the history of the world, where the entire earth, wherever you found black people, they were reading the Negro world, his papers. They were reading it, talking about we can do better, let's join together universally across the planet. Now, there's a second social theory that was competing with that one, and to a large degree, it still is. And I'm not attacking anybody religion, because this doesn't really have to do with religion. It's a social theory. God, Jesus, Allah, Jehovah's, or ancestors. I'm saying, it don't matter who it is in black men, it don't matter what your religion is. Those folks are the ones that will come down and make everything high. Let's just pray with them. Say it again. This social theory that something outside of us is going to come and the pain that we're facing today is going to go away. It's not that we have to eat more healthy like our vegan brothers and sisters have in the back. No. Something else. God. Jesus. Jesus will make sure my also goes away. I'm not going to start eating better to stop filling my body with things that will give me the awesome. Allah has the power to do it itself. Papa. Don't you disagree, stuff Allah? Don't you do it? Well, look, we get all sedated and as African sinner people say, yeah, they're Christians there, but then we say, well, may the ancestors just come and make me God. That's not what God is saying that it don't work that way. After you've done your hard work, then it's fine to say, it's out of my hands now. My mother's in there with the doctor. I ain't no doctor. I gotta pray to the ass. I gotta pray to Jesus. I gotta pray to Allah. I gotta whoever. Because it's out of my hands. But then I drive my mama to the hospital. Then I put her in good hands. Then I tell her, take care of my mama, please. I don't know what I can do. Then you can ask. And this is the difference that we've been facing. Because as of now, we're still in a period where these two theories and these two social theories are fighting back and forth. 
So, I'm going to show, and we may run out of time, but that's okay. We have lots of information over here for you to get, and I, I plan on coming back anyway. We're going to be talking about some other things, so I want to get to the end part, but I'm just going to get as far as I can through. And I think this is very important. If we're talking about what is the driver of an economy for any group, I want to show you to understand it, because this is what we do. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I like that. I can hear my voice bouncing. I sound strong. I sound mighty. I like that. <laughs> if we're talking about what drives economics and an economy, and I say it comes from social theory, I should not come up here and tell you that and expect you to go home and believe me. I want to actually show you. What we tend to do is this. The whites have an economy. It's called capitalism. We tend to say, oh, they came up with a new thing. Uh, what's the stuff that you can... It's not money now, but it's called Bitcoin. Like you can, they come up with something for them. They start making a lot of money. A few of us get in and do it. Then others come in and say, oh, see, this is the problem with us. We don't know what's going on. Not understanding, no, this is their economy. They create stuff for themselves. When we find out they're going to turn it off, it wasn't made for us. But if you find out early, I'm not saying don't get in. Hey, give it to you. Yeah, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm saying we think that that is being economically solvent as black people. Trying to do what they do and duplicate it or get into what they do and duplicate it. That is not a black economy. That is black folks surviving in a white economy because they can turn it on and off if they choose. I want to show you the origin of the black economy. And it's always been this way. It's, it's the way for everybody. Oz just operates the way it works for us, and I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to show it to you and show you what an actual, authentic black economy looks like and how it is driven. So I'm going to go back to the 1980s. We see some of the brothers and sisters who were out here on the forefront giving information. What we don't understand is that our sense of self-respect and pride and dignity and that's for every group, how they feel about themselves is what is the origin, the seed for their own organic economy. So let's go after this. You look here in the 1980s. Thank you, my brother. Hampton University, uh, Norfolk State, any of the black schools around the country, Howard University, who could you go there at any given time and you might hear? Who was in the minds of our people? All of these African Senate brothers and sisters giving us this information, teaching us about health, if that was their field, about racism, breaking down the international war against African survival and how we're going to win. Bill Jones, the war correspondent, Dr. Yosef Ben Yakin, and teaching our, our, our essence and our history. This is the birth, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about an economy, I'm talking about an organic, authentic black economy. So, what happens? They're going place to place, indoctrinating the minds of people who, if they're already in college or they're going to hear this anyway, they're looking for enlightenment, which means they want to do something in life. They want to have the right stuff here so they can do the right stuff out there. And they're coming to these people to get it. Steve Coakley, name in the name. Dr. John Henry Clark. Let's clap it up for our ancestors. Dr. Francis Crush Rose. For what happens? Where does the economy come? As a matter of fact, we got one that was around in the 80s with us today. Let's clap it up. The master teacher, he's still with us. Still on the battlefield. Now what happens? 
I'm just showing you an example, an authentic example. So they're talking about our people are dying from high blood pressure. And they're drilling it in, Dr. Sadie, Dr. Africa, these people drilling it in. This is our brother, Dr. Baruch in Maryland. What does he say? Dr. Baruch says, if our people are dying from bad health, and the people that are making food that's healthy for them and doesn't taste good, I'll make healthy food that tastes good like the food that they like. So they like ham hocks. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna take some black eyed peas and make them taste like ham hocks. I ain't gonna fight the grandma who wants some ham hocks. People give us something taste like ham hocks, okay? But it ain't gonna kill them. He now has multiple restaurants and then have black people. He's helped start businesses duplicating it where we go on a regular basis, like the brothers and sisters in the back. My vegan brothers and sisters in the back, can you stand up? We're gonna come out there and get us some vegan meals before it's over. Feeding us that good stuff to keep us alive. Where did this come from? He didn't think this up. He was listening to the people that cared that grandma was dying of high blood pressure, that grandpa left us too early because he had hypertension and wanted to stop that from happening and said, what can I do on a practical basis to make it happen? I can make a business giving folks what they want but what they need at the same time, keeping them alive and I can serve this purpose. And he actually did it. And he's doing it as we speak. It is an economy. This is the everlasting life we like now, but what else? So, and if you saw Bible Equation, he said, you saw on those temples we were writing. What does that really tell us? This is something we don't know about ourselves. We, as African people, love light. We love knowledge. This ain't nothing new. We love to be enlightened. So what happens? When these people are giving this information and people need it, you might be in a different region of the country you can't get that person, but you can get them to a book. You can get them to a video. So now we can open up a storefront where black people can come in and pay to purchase information that can tell them their real story, tell us who we really are as opposed to what we see out here, can transition our thinking and can turn us in a different direction in our life to raise our children differently, to look at a black woman differently, to look at a black man differently, to look at what we can produce because we see what we have produced and say we can do better than we have. All of this is stuff you can't see. It's in here. When you see it, it's the people that are driven out there to say now, I'm gonna take this information and turn it into something real. So we had bookstores in the 80s in every major city. What you see there is an anomaly now in this country. That was the standard. You go to almost any major city in this country and say, where's the black bookstore? It was there. And it was always something going because we loved ourselves. Why? It didn't happen by itself because we had teachers who were teaching us. It wasn't just the books. I want you to count the dollars, man. So, if these people are doing it and our people have a taste for this information, then they'll pay for the person to come out. Well, if people want to hear this person and people are willing to pay for them to come out, then I can get a space, sell this stuff, and when I bring them in, charge tickets, people will be happy to pay and pack the house. Guess what that means? That person's gonna do more work because now they're being financed to do what they love to do, which is teach our people. But not just that, the business itself is making money because more people are coming in and now they're looking at what's on the walls and they're seeing the products and now they start saying what they want. So then what happens? But then people come, you know, black folks, you get a hundred black folks somewhere, you ain't got no food, you don't get in a fight. So you gotta get in <laughs> So now you say, well, wait a minute. We don't just have to do this. There are other brothers and sisters who don't have a storefront 
for a couple of shekels here and there. I can let them sit up around and they can bring what they have to the table. And now, brothers and sisters can start doing commerce. But do you see, I'm talking about dollars making sense. Now, I ain't talking about all of the, you know, black power. This I mean, It is black power. But I'm talking about a different angle. It's just, it's just a it's delicious food. But why do you just do it at home? You go out here now and cook it for the people who want to hear a message and you can make money and you can leave that job so your husband don't have to worry about coming up there and knocking somebody out. You do what you do the best. He's proud to help you do it because his wife has now got her own business on something. She did, it's just cooking a good meal. Black, that's what black women do. Come on, my grandma, that's what she did. She didn't get paid. But when the scholars are teaching, do for yourself, and you create the atmosphere, now you got black folks making food. But not just that, you got all other types of vendors. So what happens? Now that you love yourself, I'm sure you're in the economy. See, this is what happens. This intrinsically has no real value. There's nothing I can do with it. This is a shirt. But that ain't what it is to me. My brother has made this and wrapped it. He tell me all the magic power it has. I don't really care. It's my brother, and I believe him. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm a dude. I'm not like the women. All oh, it, it does, I, I just say, look, brother, tell him, you know, I don't know. This is what I know. Black people is doing it, and I like that. And it's more, it means more to me than a piece of gold on my neck that I go get some, some small hat. I'm giving my brother or sister some money. It looks good. This shirt, it has a little African pattern. It's a brother from Ghana. His, his wife makes it. I'm giving her money, and the brothers and sisters in Ghana are sitting stitching it, and it's coming over here. I feel good about it. So when I have the money, I go and get it from there. I'm now changing my economic patterns because someone has told me to love myself. So now if it looks like it's African, I want it. She's got to make sure they made China, but y'all get the point that I'm making. You know, Chinese say you want something, they'll duplicate it quick. <laughs> Might not be the same quality, but you do it. So what happens though? Now let's go to the big ticket items. We're talking small ticket items now. What about big ticket items? Once we start actually loving ourselves, then the idea is, well, you can love yourself one day and get this, but you got to go back out that world. The world tell you to hate yourself. You want it kind of consistent to combat the hatred. So you know what you do then? Now we start getting into real estate. I need to invest in a piece of the rock where people can come on a regular basis and get rejuvenated. So now it's like the shrine of the Black Madonna. What happens? The love we have for self that is inspired by the consciousness given to us by the people that teach us to love ourselves and how to love ourselves and who we really are. Now, you decide, we got to have a place to do this all the time, not just sometime. So now you're buying properties. Now people are giving money to have this on a consistent basis. What does that mean now? Now when they come into that environment, now you're talking about you going into business for yourself and you going into business for yourself. And you who have a great job, keep that job. And these brothers and sisters here that need a way in, you make sure you get your way in to get into the government and stuff like that. So now you begin to get access to capital and use your positioning to help your brothers and sisters for one reason, because you love yourself. Because you love your people. Why? Because somebody gave you a different assessment of who you are based on the reality of your history, tied you together in your head. And now, your dollars, even if you ain't thinking about it consciously, are beginning to spend with black people who are now creating products for you 
who love yourself. It ain't even that complex. But it works. Now, even when we see these, I want you to understand. This is Brother X Clan here, a uh, rap group from the 80s, 90s. She was a big hawk. I see brothers and sisters in here with all jewelry. I'm going to say it again. Intrinsically, that shape on that thing you have there, intrinsically, it has no more value than a bottle being hanging from here. What makes it have value is that I love my black self. I know that my ancestors said that that means life. I learned what it means and now it has value. So, I can now make jewelry that appeals to the minds of black people who will find out who they are. And it means more to me than any other thing I can have because it's me. So the actual economy is created in the mind. The self-respect because now we're going in a different direction. And he did not get that for free. Am I correct, my brother? He said, no, yeah, so it did, brother. He think about how much it costs his free. This is how economy starts. I'm going to play this video because I think it's important. Move, move, move my time is right. What time is it? 5 11. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play this and I'm going to go more towards the end because I have more, but I, I want to make this uh, point because it's very important. This is how things begin to change. When people are being taught this information, it starts in the mind and they begin to change themselves first. Then they start looking for other places to be. That's where the dollars start shifting because we're exchanging the opportunity to be proud, productive black folks. We just doing it. It leads to something else though. You get to a point where there's enough people doing that that you recognize a problem exists. And now that you have enough people who are thinking about this, man, it's not just enough for us to support each other financially like this. Now we have to do something even bigger. And what begins to happen, because you have money now, that's such I want to be clear, it is not that money is more important than dignity or black self-respect. That's a lie. Anybody that tells you that has fooled you. If that is true, then you should go ahead and bend over for the money then. No. You always be a man. You always be a woman. You, all, you don't sell nothing for your soul. However, you cannot win a war if you can't finance Period. I'm going to just put a period on there. That ain't, ain't enough to talk about. If you can't find it, there ain't never been no war, never nowhere, where people have been going against other folks and they couldn't finance their war and they won. You do not win. You must finance it. So once we love ourselves and the money starts rolling, if we control it, the next step is to start identifying real, tangible, political things we're going to do about it. And we start doing it. When there's no money, and that energy firm, when there's no consciousness, none of this happens. Once there's consciousness, then we start spending our money. Now that we got money, then we do something. I'm going to show this video, and I want you to see it, and then I'm going to fast forward to the end part because it'll, it'll make sense what I'm talking about when I say the social theory. When you love yourself, the natural inclination, I'm talking about dollars making sense, is to spend your money for freedom. Period. You might not even think like it that way, but everybody that came here and spent money in here is that you were spending money for freedom. You want to free your mind so that you can ultimately free your people, your grandchildren. That's why you came here. If you don't know it, I'm telling you that's why you came here. That's what we want. But 
if we don't have that at our disposal, we can't do it. So I'm going to show you here what happens when you have this kind of information permeating in our community. What happens when the dollars start making sense? Then we identify a problem where the trajectory goes. This is from the 1980s. It's a video, 1986, called Africa. And I want you to go watch this today and look at what young people were talking about then, and then we're going to talk about what we're talking about today.
So then you start having black groups that are doing stuff, so now you got drumming groups. Somebody makes the drums. It's always somebody black that makes the drums. Who carves the wood for the drums? Who cuts down the tree to carve the wood for the drum? Whose land is it? These are all things that are organically black. African dancing, you saw the sisters, so now you're watching this. Now people say, I like this. And so now you have class. I'm taking my daughter to the African drumming club. It only costs this amount. So now someone who can really dance, who is just somebody going around dancing, now I can say, wait a minute, people who want to teach their daughters to dance like this, they're not out there shaking it for some money. They're dancing their African rhythms. I can make a living doing this. Again, if we do it enough and they like it enough, I can get a space to do it, rent the space, charge. Now we're getting into commerce all because the consciousness leads to the dollars being spent. Once the dollars start being spent, we start seeing political things we want to do, and then it ramps up all of the dollars across the board. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? We talk about the origin of a true, genuine, organic, black economy. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna skip past the very, very part of that. that. That right there, that's in, uh, that's in the disc over here. So you get the disc, you can see it. But he actually took an entire city. I grew up there, so I know. He took it. He hated politics. He, he was a liberator. He was in our state. Student on my coordinate with it. He wanted nothing to do with politics. They said, you really love your people. The stuff you're doing on the ground is great. Take the money and give it to them. And I'll just say this one part to understand when we talk about warfare. That's all economics is. There's no other, Dr. Wilson, they talk about nine major areas of people activity. We had health in there, so we say 10. I'm going to say this. Even war itself, ain't no aspect of this more related to war, any of it, than economics. 
When you start developing wealth, not money, not rich, wealth, and then using it for the development of black people, which means you're starting to take control over resource, there's nothing you can do. You can, you can kill some white folks. OJ proved that. You can kill some white folks, you might get away. Mess with their money. Start building and you ain't on their side and you won't bend for them. There's nothing you're going to do. They're coming. Because you cannot keep any group of people oppressed if they can finance their own uh, rebellion. If they can finance freedom, you can, you can oppress them. You can't keep them oppressed. And so they understand that and they understand the danger of that. What Marion Bray did when he got in office, the first thing he did is say, uh, 33 out of $100, one out of every $3 spent on government contracts in Washington, D.C. going to a black person. White folks are like, you can't do that. Why can't I? I'm the mayor. <laughs> so you have a guy riding around in a dump truck that was just making a little ends, not made that million dollar contract. Get it every day, take that truck. Now he can buy a home, he can move, he can send his child to college for the first time. I mean, he just took the money and gave it to black folk. And I'm not saying we did everything right with it, but I'm saying this, when we're talking economics, we're talking about starting with a consciousness and love for your people, and everything is driven from that. Now, this is the most important part. I'm going to wrap up here, and then I'm going to roll out so we have a little bit of time left before the program ends. I want to show this, though, because I think this is the most important thing I can say. It's great to look at the glory days. But when we look at our socioeconomic condition of the black community, to some degree worldwide, what we're looking at is a result of the fact that individuals other than black people have now taken full control of the black social theory. I'm going to say it again. Both of the social theories we talked about before were ones that black folks signed up to. Super religious, hey, you're going to wait for the, the, the other forces to come. That's us. Then some of us say, no, let's do it for ourselves. This social theory that when you walk out this door, you see it and live it and hear it every single day. This is not one that we crafted. This was forced on us and given to us without our knowledge. Very sophisticated process. I have a DVD called Entertainment Fighting the Tolstoy Guys over there. It can really help you break down that, that idea more of it. But the modern total summation of why we see our children, and it's not our children's fault. Ain't nobody even gonna say it but us, so we gotta be fixing it, but it ain't their fault. We allowed, and many of us were participants, I'll raise my hand, we gave them a social theory that accounts for the condition they're in. And the modern social theory for black people is hate, defile, and destroy thyself, thy community, and thy race. That is literally, even though it has not been articulated that way, our children. Yo, my ears, I got my ears and I rape these bees because I love these bees and I smoke these bees like trees and I kill the N-words. It's a social theory that I am supposed to. Matter of fact, the coolest guy in the world is the one who is the best at hating himself inward, 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 inward. I don't want a black woman. Give me a, a light bee or, or a white bees or this. No, you don't want your own way. I'm going to rape that this. I'm going to throw away 
I'm going to treat you like toilet tissue. Your mother, your sister, your brother. This is not created by us. We're not the architects. We are the engineers. We the ones that write the rhymes. We the ones that put the beats on. But we did not craft this social construct. What we say is, I hate, I defile, destroy myself, my community, my race. And so, if you take that as the social theory, then it's easy to understand where most of our money goes. There it is. Because see, the black woman on the pole is the same one that was molested in the black community, who nobody protected, who no longer has a sense of self-worth. So now since it was taken from her at some time, and she hasn't been able to conquer that feeling of lack of self-worth, she goes out now and does that. And then because we don't value ourselves or our women, we don't take our money to try to finance protecting our women and children and families and community. We throw money at the results of the abuse that occurred to lead to what we're celebrating. Yeah, let me say that again. <laughs> Thank you. Our enemies have trained us to destroy ourselves so that they can stand back and say, I ain't got nothing to do with it. They implanted their sick, demonistic mind into us. There is a European inside the African construct. As the black physical shell goes around all day, the same clansman that said, I'm going to hang this in, is now on the, I'm going to bang on that in. It's a clansman inside. The same clansman that would strip the black woman out of the room at night and brutally rape her. Now, can pay a few dollars and she comes willingly and say, bring some more of your friends. All three of y'all can have me now. See, it's, 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 they good with you too. I'm not gonna, I don't like them, but these white folks, they hate them. No, no, don't play games with them. And they is a formidable foe. He, he comes in many different ways. He ain't just got guns. The guns for the mind and the psychology can be even more deadly because he can stand back and claim no, no complicity. I, I don't even agree with what they're doing. I see white folks saying, why do y'all call yourselves inwards? Doesn't make any sense as he's chuckling. Because he knows that they are the ones who did it to us. And we argue with them that we should do it. And they go, boy, this is too easy a fight. <laughs> they always want to help us get out so they can have a, a real good fight. Going like, this is too easy. <laughs> In fact, they don't even call us inwards anymore that much. You know why? They might help us. They're like, why would I do it? He's doing it. I can't even call a black person inward as good as he does. <laughs> I can't abuse the black woman better than they're abusing their own women. I can't defile her worse than she defiles herself. Let her do what she does. I can go off and do other things like run the world. How does that affect us economically? That's why millions and millions of dollars are going to the strip club. Because we have become in love with financing our own destruction. Because it is not us that is driving our behavior. It is our enemy who used to do it through whips and chains. 
there's now doing it brains so I'm gonna wrap it up here gonna see our time is short just to let you know we have our straight black what time is it um, I am your brother Crumb. I wanted to give a special shout out to African Art Bookstore who uh, gave me my uh, wardrobe. The uh, social architect, Irritated Genie, you can find him on Facebook, you can find him on um, YouTube and Instagram, and of course, Baba Ashwa Crazy. Please come and uh, take your questions there. I'm your brother Crumb Snatcher. Peace and love. Thank you everyone for coming out. Stay floss, 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 stay floss. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss.